Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. It has been quite a privilege being able to grow up in two quite different ways of life. I was born in Germany and at the same time had the chance to learn more about an ancient art coming from the Shaolin Temple. When you grow up in an Asian family, it is quite common that Firstly, you don't argue with your father. And secondly, you either become medical doctor, engineer, or lawyer. Elsewise, your parents will be very unhappy. So, having that said, I finished my academic education with two university degrees, an MBA, and quite a collection of different certificates and diplomas. Everything that my parents thought would be useful to have. But throughout this education, I felt something was missing. Because I was learning about many different aspects. How the plant is working, what an atom is made out of, how a political system is functioning, but somehow the subject was missing to learn something about myself. So with the age of four, for the first time, I got introduced into the monastic practices. And I was very happy to find out that the main part of these practices were dealing with the exploration and the discovery of yourself. There was mental training, development of behavior combined with the physical training, all aspects of what nowadays is known as Shaolin Kung Fu. Now, despite the wishes of my parents to somehow go out in the market and try to manage the world, I decided to continue this monastic life and start learning more about myself first. <laughs> 
Now, in the preparation for this talk, I was asked to share a few words on what is important in this lifetime and see it's already challenging to put three decades into a single talk. But the picture I would like to show you summarizes very much what I consider as being valuable in this lifetime. There is something about sharing with others. There is something about connection. There is the training and development of yourself. It is to enjoy your time even doing nothing. And one main aspect is to find a way and do the things you like to do. Now, when I received the invitation to have a talk at today's event, especially under the slogan, High, Higher, Highest, something very particular came up on my mind. And a master from the Shaolin Temple once told me a story that I would like to share with you. A man was living close to a mountain and every day he was thinking how would it be to climb that mountain and what would I see on the peak? So finally the day came and the man went on the journey. Arriving at the foot of the mountain, he met the first traveler. So he asked, how did you get up the mountain and what did you see from the top? And so the traveler shared his path and also the view that he had. But then the man was thinking, the way that this traveler described to me sounds very exhausting. I need to find another way to climb. So he continued to walk on the foot of the mountain until he met the next traveler. So once again he asked, how did you climb up that mountain? And what did you see from the top? And so again the traveler shared his story. Still not being determined on which direction and which way to go, the man asked 30 more people, 30 more travelers. When he finished talking to all of them, he finally made up his mind. Now that so many people already shared with me their path and especially what they all saw from the top, I don't need to climb there anymore. It is very unfortunate this man never went on the journey. Now, to conclude this story, firstly, each individual needs to find the most suitable way to climb that mountain. But secondly, there is information possible to be shared with words.
but it is impossible to share the experience of clarity when you are standing on that peak by yourself. To invest the right effort in climbing that peak is very much what all the Buddhist practices, the Shaolin training, or any spiritual practice is about. Clarity means you see more clear. When you see more clear, interrelations become more apparent. When you see more clear, there is no need to believe anyone or believe anything. Seeing clear means you can distinguish for yourself which is the proper direction to take and which decisions do I have to make in order to make my goals or aspirations start to shape. Now at today's talk, you will have the chance to become inspired by quite a lot of different travelers. But in this particular talk, I can't and I won't tell you which way to go. It's just that along your personal journey, you will encounter challenges. Those challenges will either prevent you or some of them even stop you from moving on and climbing that mountain. In the Shaolin Temple, we refer to them as uh, the five hindrances. The five hindrances are describing different states of the mind. In those state of the mind, it becomes very hard to see clearly and therefore engage in the right decisions. The first hindrance is called sensual desire. Sensual desire arises in the moment when you are paying attention to something that is giving you a positive emotion. This positive emotion can originate from five gates of your body. Seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, or feeling. So in your mind, you climb up that mountain. After one mile of walking, you discover a beautiful restaurant surrounded by beautiful people. You smell delicious food and the great variety of beverages. When you follow that temptation, you have already lost your track. When this temptation becomes so strong that you don't want to leave that place anymore, then the sensual desire has turned into an obsession. In both cases, remaining at that place means you can't get clarity. The second hindrance, ill will, describes a state of the mind 
that arises from negative emotions. In that state of the mind, you have an aversion, a rejection, or simply a dislike against either an object, a situation, or can be even a person. To simplify, it means you are climbing the mountain and it starts to rain, but you don't like rain. You discover the roads are bumpy, but you don't like bumpy roads. In order to cross the river, you need to swim, but you don't like swimming. Whatever it is that you dislike, it won't make it a pleasant journey. Unless you learn to let go of this ill will, it's more likely even that you won't continue that journey. The third hindrance, originally translated as sloth and torpor. Sloth means it's the heaviness of the body. Torpor means it's the dullness of the mind. It is characterized by sleepiness, non-motivation, lack of energy, and oftentimes can manifest itself in a state of depression. Now, a simile used in Buddhism describes it as imprisonment. You find yourself locked in a cell. It becomes very hard to make any type of mental or physical effort. So, in order to continue your path, there is only one option left. You need to find a way to get out from that hole, from that cell. Now, the fourth hindrance is called restlessness. It is the state of an unsettled mind. Unsettled mind means your mind cannot settle. <laughs> settle where? Settle in the present moment. An unsettled mind either is worrying about the future or traveling into the past and rejecting, judging about an event that happened into your past. A simile used here is the monkey mind, constantly jumping from one branch to another, unable to stay for a too long time at the present moment. The problem is, there is no time to see clearly anymore. Now, the last of the five hindrances is called skeptical doubt and is very closely related to a state of mind which is based on indecisiveness. It is very easy in that state of mind getting lost in thoughts. Can I do this? Is this the right path? What will the other say? What if this? What if that? The mind cannot synchronize with your own actions anymore. And the result is that you are getting disconnected with the goals and aspirations that once you have set to yourself. When the way is filled with too much doubt, more often you will stop instead of moving on. That we know the five hindrances now. Uh, what are we going to do about them? You need to align and structure your life in such a way 
to prevent those hindrances from arising. If you are not successful, you need to use techniques in order to remove them. Each of these hindrances is placing a dark cloud on your mind or on the way of your climb. Simply remember one thing. Just let it rain. This is a four-step method to help you removing those hindrances. The first step is recognize in what state of the mind you are finding yourself in. Afterward, learn to accept, acknowledge, and allow the situation or a person to be the way how it is, to be the way how they are. Investigate your emotional and mental state and ask questions. Why did it come up? What is going to be the consequence if I remain in that state? And ultimately, non-identification means it is the practice. I am not the body. I am not the mind. I am not my emotion. It's just that I can see all these three aspects about me. All of our lifetimes, all of our lives are too unique to copy the past from someone else. To bring meaning to your life, to bring value into your life, you need to learn and master yourself and don't let the hindrances stop you. If any of you chooses to climb that path to clarity, I will be very happy to meet you at the peak. Welcome to Raising Independent Thinkers. This show is a space for families who are homeschooling or thinking about homeschooling. We'll explore alternative teaching methods, federal and state homeschooling laws, and most importantly, this show is a platform 
where families can inspire one another on how to raise independent thinkers. I'm your host, Beth Sheba Omani, Montessori educator, homeschooling consultant, owner of Homeschool Guide LLC, and mother of two. Let's get started. I'm hoping that there is no echo. I'm just wanting to make sure everyone can hear me. Um, welcome to the Raising Independent Thinker Show. This is your host, Beth Sheba. Um, if someone can just let me know that you can hear me, that would be wonderful. So I hope everyone's having a lovely weekend. Um this week has been pretty busy uh, for me, um, but it's been productive. Okay, Akeem just said um, that he can hear me. Thank you, Akeem. Okay, um, yeah, it's been a pretty good weekend for me uh, or and week for me. You know, I have no real complaints. Life is good. Um, But for the first time ever, I decided to purchase an electric hedge trimmer to trim some of the bushes around my house. And come to find out, I did not realize how much work that entailed. Okay. I mean, first of all, I didn't realize how long I was out there trimming. Um, It probably was about an hour or so. And, you know, when you start doing it, it's just easy to kind of get carried away. That's how I felt. But the day after, both of my arms were extremely sore, and they still are a little sore. Um, and, you know, this was days ago. But, um, but yeah, I had a little workout. And, you know, I like the fact that I was able to trim the bushes exactly the way I wanted it to be trimmed. And it did make me feel proud that I was able to do that um, myself. And I figured that out. Um, And yes, it it would have been easy if I just paid someone to do it. And I had somebody just do it for me. But I feel like I appreciated the work more because I did it myself. So um, with that being said, um, hopefully you all enjoyed the clip I just played it was by um, a master Shi Hengyi, and he talked about the five hindrances to self-mastery. And I thought it was interesting. It's the first time I've, I've heard of this. And I know that um, he mentioned that it was, it's a Buddhist tradition. And he talked about self-discovery. And I enjoyed the story um, that he mentioned about climbing the mountain and, um, you know, talking to many different people about their experience about climbing the mountain. And at the end of it, he realized that each person had their own unique experience in climbing and that we must find um, our own way, basically. And I, I think that it's the same in life in that we must find our own way in life and we all have our own experiences. So um, with that being said, I thought, um, I thought about how, you know, we as a culture tend to help our children more than we need to. 
And I thought I'd talk about that in tonight's show. Um, And I have to apologize for not doing a show last week. I've taken on another class of adult students that I'm instructing online. Um, It's actually a professional development course that I'm teaching. And I've been pretty busy with getting that started. So I do apologize. But yeah, the topic of today's talk is to help or not to help. And that is the question that many parents, many teachers think about when it comes to children. You know, should I help them? Can they do it themselves? Are they too young to do this? Am I doing too much? So I did want to start off with a quote. And this quote is from Maria Montessori, who I have spoken about many times on the show. Uh, She was a physician, an educator. She was also a scientist and um, an innovator and many other things. But she was known for her educational method that builds on the way children learn naturally. Okay. So the quote says, no one can be free unless he is independent. Therefore, in order to attain this independence, the active manifestation of personal liberty must be guided from earliest infancy. So um, let me just read that one more time. No one can be free unless he is independent. Therefore, in order to attain this independence, the active manifestation of personal liberty must be guided from earliest infancy. So that was written by Maria Montessori in her book, um, The Discovery of the Child, on page 32. So let's talk about that. How many... um, How many of you all agree or disagree with this thought that no one can be free unless they are independent? Um, It seems pretty obvious to me, but I would love to hear your thoughts. Feel free to call in on the number below, um, which is 563-999-3615, or you can type into the chat on YouTube. I'm going to pull that up. Um, at Akeem L's channel, that's A-K-I-E-M-E-L. And um, if you go on YouTube, you'll see that the show is live. Okay. Um, So no one can be free unless they are independent. Now, when we break down um, the word independent, it's defined in the Oxford Dictionary as an adjective that says, independent means free from outside control, not depending on another's authority. Um, And it also says, in order to attain this independence, the active manifestation of personal liberty must be guided from earliest infancy. So it is an active manifestation, something you must do, something that is active in order to attain independence. Now, we're talking about children, okay? So in many cultures, um, adults have this belief that children are helpless. 
and should be totally dependent on adults for their care and that they don't understand what's going on anyway. So, you know, if they don't understand what's going on, we might as well just do it for them. You know, that's the attitude. But we should know that there's a danger in that and that the child gets the message that they are basically an object instead of a unique individual. So in many cultures, um, especially our own culture, adults feel the need to help children. And helping a child usually comes from a good place, right? However, um, helping is not always helpful to the child's development. So when we think about it, you know, how many times have we just taken over something that the child is trying to do for themselves? Because maybe they're not fast enough or they're not doing it the way you want them to do it. Um, you know, I remember when, when my kids were younger, I would help them get dressed before school. And sometimes I would just dress them, you know, if we were running late, I would just do the dressing. I mean, they, they look like rag dolls moving around while I'm trying to rush out the door. And I just remember thinking each time I did that, I knew that they could dress themselves and I was taking that opportunity, you know, away from them because of my lack of time management. So when um, they were younger, I, I tried really hard to give them that time that they needed to dress themselves. And sometimes that's all children need is just a little bit of extra time to do things. So it's funny because I see um, parents all the time who do everything for their child, but then get frustrated when the child becomes too dependent on their every need. So when we provide unnecessary help for a child, we're creating dependency and we're sending the child a message that says they're not capable. So, you know, why should they even try? So let me go ahead and um, just go back and forth and check and see who's all listening. Okay. Okay. Um, so it reminds me of um, a child that continues to drop something onto the floor, and then they wait until an adult comes and picks it up. Um, and even though they, even though the child can pick it up, why should they, you know, when someone else is going to do it, right? So another quote that I've been thinking about this week is, it's another one from Dr. Montessori, and it says, never help a child with a task at which he feels he can succeed. We must help the child act, think, and will for himself. This is the art of serving. This also, um, again, written by Dr. Montessori in her book, The Absorbent Mind. And that's actually one of my favorite quotes. So what do you all think about that one? Never help a child with a task at which he feels he can succeed. We must help the child act, think, and will for himself. 
This is the art of serving the spirit. I actually think that's a very powerful saying. And um, I know the quote for me brings this awareness that young children actually have the ability to complete a task on their own, right? And if we want to raise independent thinkers, we can't interfere with that. You know, I tell families all the time that you'd be surprised how much a young child can do on their own, only if they had um, the opportunities to do so. So they need those opportunities to be able to think for themselves and to act for themselves and to will for themselves. Um, and we, we as adults need to provide that. So what do you all think happens when we, as the adult, interfere with a child's work or activity? And that activity, you know, can be something as simple as them putting on their socks, you know, for a very young child, trying to put their sock on, um, or making a bowl of cereal, an older child doing that, you know, trying to figure that out on their own. What do you think happens to that child when we provide unnecessary help, when we just take over what they're doing because we feel like, you know, it's helping or, or they're not moving fast enough? What do you think happens? So when we do this, um, you know, many times we're creating a dependent child and we're sending, again, we're sending that message that they are not capable of even trying to do something for themselves. And um, when you think about that, that brings a lack of confidence. Um, It brings self-doubt. It brings on uncertainty and insecurity. Um, And these are things that, you know, adults struggle with. So um, it's also important to know that a child will not learn if we, the adult, does everything for them. So without opportunities to practice and make mistakes, um, their coordination can't develop. And it reminds me of children that you see who may sit in front of their food and wait to be fed because that, that's what they're used to. You know, I used to um, teach preschool, actually taught um, preschool for just about 19 years. <laughs> and I had a child who was, I'd say around two and a half, three years old. And she would sit in front of her food during lunch and just watch everyone eat. And I told the mom, And the mom said, oh, you know, that's because she's used to us feeding her, you know. And when working with the child, after the mom told me that, I started working with the child to try to get her to to learn how to feed herself. And I noticed that she didn't have the grasp to to hold a spoon, um, which she should have had by that age. But because she never was given that opportunity at home and the parents would just feed her, that coordination was never developed. So I think it's really important for us to understand 
um, the ramifications of just doing too much for our children. And, um, you know, I'm saying this and I I think about my children who are um, older. You know, I have two young adult children, Sam and Rachel, and sometimes I battle with myself on how much I do for them because they, you know, they're in this transition of adulthood. And even though um, my son has a physical disability, um, I always have thought in the back of my mind as to, you know, what if I wasn't around? I've always wanted um, them to both be as independent as possible so that when I'm not around, they can take care of themselves and they can do that well. So um, I strongly believe that older kids should know how to do things like um, do their own laundry. They should know how to take out the trash, how to cook meals. Um, You know, they're learning how to balance their budget for the week, um, how to order food for themselves. They should learn how to make their own doctor's appointments. You know, all of these things are practical life experiences that are going to be important as they get older. And we as the adult, as the parent, need to give them the opportunity to um, do those things for themselves. And, yeah, of course, they're going to make mistakes. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that we should not give them any help. You know, of course, I think we should always be there for our children, you know, when they need us, whenever we can. But when we do give help, I would suggest give the least amount of help as possible. So, for example, um, say you have a very young child who is struggling to um, zip up their jacket, you know. You see these small children trying to put their jackets, put these big jackets on, and um, it's it's hard for them to do it. So, um, you know, say this child is about four or five years old. Instead of taking the jacket and then zipping it up for the child, you can easily just start the zipper and then let them pull it up themselves, you know. And that way you're giving them the opportunity to do something for themselves. Um, Another example, you know, an even younger child, a two- or three-year-old who's struggling to put their socks on, you know, you might want to help over their toes and then let, allow them to, the opportunity to pull the rest of the sock on, you know, just giving that little bit of support. And it really does go a long way. And when you think about it, you can do that for many things. You can do it for older children, just giving that little, that small amount of support, but not taking over, um, taking over what they're trying to do. So I think it's important to just stand back and watch our kids If you see that they're working on a task, even if it's something that you find small or easy, allow them to just try, you know, make time so that they can figure it out. You know, if they're struggling, then give them that small amount of help and allow them the opportunity to help in the process. So, again, if anyone would like to um, share or 
anyone would like to join in on the conversation, you're more than welcome. You know, I'm this topic I'm I'm very passionate about because I talk about it often. And I think this is one of the reasons why I started um, the podcast, because I believe that children um, should have the opportunities to be independent. And the only way they, they can do this is if we allow it, if we, the adult, allow it. So um, hopefully, it, you know, the message is helping someone out there. Uh, I do have a website. It's called Home School Guide home-schoolguide.com. Um, I actually posted it in our chat on YouTube. And um, yeah, please um, check it out and please subscribe to the website. You'll be able to get reminders to my podcast. Also, if you're interested in homeschooling, I do offer consultations as well as um, suggestions for curriculums. Um, and also please check out the other shows on our platform. Um, every Mondays we have the Bun Bay show at 7 p.m. On Tuesdays we have the Truth Tuesday show with Akeem L. at 7 p.m. On Wednesdays we have the Solomon Temple show at 10 a.m. Thursdays we have Tasia and Jessica's show the Divine Connection at 7 p.m. And of course, my show, Raising an Independent Thinker, is every Sunday at 7 p.m. Okay. Okay. Well, this will most likely be a short show. Um, I hope that everyone has a wonderful week. I hope that you're staying healthy and be blessed, everyone. Peace. figure out like how to um I think I was looking with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.